That was your bakery run. Perfect. Only only downside is somebody decided to smash the windows out of the local shoe shop last night. Oh. So there was a, a bunch of quarter-inch thick plate glass all over this one right in front of the shop. Pretty sucky. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, you know, when you were saying, hey, we're going to try to sneak out and go to the bakery, as you texted me that I was looking at what I was eating for breakfast, and I was wondering what the most unusual breakfast is, because, or at least that you've had, because uh-huh. I was eating. At the time, you texted me that yeah. you were going on your bakery run, which yeah. sounded delightful. It is, yes. Not not in the category <laughs> of most unusual. <laughs> <laughs> I I was having hot dogs and hummus for breakfast. <laughs> oh, I, I you know what immediately yeah. comes to mind for me, and this is because before you even said hot dogs and hummus, which is a great <laughs> episode title, um, is being out in Death Valley visiting my grandfather, who was a geologist, and he spent his falls and springs in death valley for like 50 plus years so we would go visit him quite often because otherwise they lived in northern california we for the most part lived in southern california so that was kind of a a nice meeting point it was very cool to go out there and like see the things that he spent his life's work like uncovering and not not archaeologically but but um, mapping wise and like one of the he was one of the early theorists about tectonic plate. Te- you know, it's just crazy stuff. Um, Interesting. But I would say um, I, I'm fairly certain that a breakfast in Death Valley consisted of Ritz crackers and sardines. Hmm. Because he had a closet full of like these <laughs> kippered snacks and sardines. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's probably because they... They don't know, go bad. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. Cracker. Crackers yep. may be stale, but you know, I mean, it's Death Valley, <laughs> right? It's super dry, and so uh, yeah. So the story behind the hot dogs and hummus, which weirdly enough has carried on for quite some time, I, I was introduced to that weird concoction. <laughs> what you're saying is this is not new. It, this is not new. No, okay, no, 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 no. This is <laughs> this is now going on thirty years old, actually. Oh wow! So when we were the old standby. Uh, yeah, when I was when I was stationed in Saudi Arabia um, during Desert Storm, um, you know, once all of the you know actions had ceased, and you know we were actually able to kind of get out and experience Saudi Arabia, we went into town, and the host that we had uh, basically served us um, hot dogs, hummus, and pita. I don't know if the hot dogs were something that they were just trying to like. Hey, I know Americans like hot dogs, you know, but this was the first time I'd ever really tried hummus. I've had pita, obviously. I mean, it's just bread, but, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not like homemade or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but just the concoction of the three, Mm -hmm. for some reason, I was just like, I kind of like this. Well, plus you were in the army, right? So like. Well, true, because, you know, it was either that or MREs. Yeah, there wasn't a giant uh, buffet table of fine cuisine laid out in front of you. (laughs) Exactly. My bar bar was set rather low on what five-star cuisine was at that time. I've had some MREs. You can buy them at the local army surplus here. (laughs) Well, if you ever have the opportunity to go and have 
enjoy yourselves a skosh of chicken a la king, mm. the absolute worst one of them all. Now, <laughs> doesn't sound so bad. That's like uh, backpackers' food, you know. <laughs> Stay away from the beef stroganoff, people. Yeah, <laughs> it's not good. And 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 just. I don't know if you really need to know this or anybody else who might be hearing this needs to know this, but certain foods in MREs were essentially designed to prevent you from having to go to the bathroom. bathroom. Yeah. Jeez. Is it freeze dried? (laughs) Uh, The chicken out of King. Yeah. No, it literally looks like it would. And you look at the package, it, looks as if you just threw up in that package (laughs) and so it's visually unappealing that's what beef stroganoff uh freeze-dried beef beef stroganoff looks like sucks yeah Yeah. oh my god you need to tell everybody what mre stands for right because it's that's a that's a meals ready to eat yeah and it's just like this black kind of is it like a it's it almost looks like just a vinyl sealed package right like but you can't see into it it's this seal, you know, dark brown sealed package. Now, I don't know if they're like that anymore. You know, it was funny is that the the further and further I went into my career in the army, we were starting to get there was there there literally was a distinction between like army MREs and Air Force MREs. Oh really? And Air Force MREs were like five star fine dining in comparison. They had hot sauce in there. They had m&ms you know they had like different like well that's because they had had the whole space race thing on there like they're all yeah right they're they're part of that so they they're sending people to space with these but they they might as well let that food fare trickle down to the the normal ranks too look let's be honest i mean the air force calls their barracks dorms they they, you know their mres are five star in comparison to our freeze-dried pork patties or freeze-dried I, I can't beef tell patties. if you're if you're kind of if you're jealous or if you're trying to like say they're not as as uh manly as you I, I can't I, give me a sense I of where you're where you're coming from because I, I think you feel, feel like you maybe made bummed. the wrong choice I feel it was a little no nah, I didn't I didn't make <laughs> the wrong choice you know um I I did enjoy my weird life in the army if I were to, if, if say one of my children were to come up to me and say, you know, hey, dad, I'd like to join the military. Which, which one would you which one, suggest? Yeah. I would say Air Force. Yeah. Even though I love the army and, you know, true and blue army or, you know, green and mean or whatever it is that you want to call it. Are there army pilots? But, Helicopter yeah, pilots, yeah. I assume. Yeah. Helicopter pilots. And yeah, there's. Oh, yeah. But what are, about uh, like jet airplanes? Is there an army? No, no, that, that's, that? no, that's, that's, that's theirs. That's Air Force and Navy, right? Yeah, they get to keep it. And Navy aviators and Army, yeah. or I mean, Air Force pilots. No, we... Marines, do they fly airplanes too? Yeah, Mar- Marines fly airplanes Jeez. off of, you know, they, they get shuffled around. You know, we, yeah. we walk everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, you march. I don't think you walk anywhere. You march. Here, here, here is <laughs> you rock. So here's here's a little bit of the jealousy. So during Desert Storm, now you you know you're talking about Death Valley and your grandfather and you know yeah. him being a geologist. So obviously he's digging in you know this sand, this you know terrain. Yep. And probably you might have as well, and you'd know what what the difficulty is of digging in hard, compacted stone sandy earth right Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's not like digging at the beach. It's, it's a completely different kind of sand. And so um, we've talked well in the past about, you know, my affinity for the good old army tool called the entrenching tool, the E tool. Yes, the E tool. And, and so we had to dig our bunkers, our what was called the individual fighting position or IFPs. We had to dig all of that stuff by hand. Air Force came out and they were like, you know, hey, you know, we can help you guys out. You know, we've got backhoes and everything else. And of course, we're all like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. You know, we'll be able to like dig these, you know, big, massive bunkers and things. And, and we're talking massive. They, they were huge. But with a backhoe and a boom, get done just like that. <laughs> well, my first sergeant decided, no, it's it's not. That's it's cheating. not in the that's cheating. So <laughs> we feel like the army can just dig with their little teeny hand tools and stuff. And so as, as we so this see is them like, way, way off in the distance. I'm now seeing the it's, parallels to architecture. Here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's, yeah. let's re let's pretend these new automation tools don't exist. Let exactly. <laughs> you, you, you totally picked up where I was going with that because you know, it, no, 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 we're going to do this by hand. Don't you worry. It'll be just fine. We're going to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> the old school way is the only school way. Yes. <laughs> uh, and you're just like, really, man? Really? I mean, and, and so, you know, when I talk fondly about the Air Force, you know, which my father was in. I, mine too, uh, yeah. I, I, I feel a bit of both jealousy and animosity towards our little brothers. Yeah. You know, it was. I can see that. It was. It was if you think about it, I mean, you know, it was the Army Air Corps, you know, during World War II, and then they split off and became the Air Force after, mm -hmm. during the um, Korean War era, and and so, you know, we 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 always still consider them like our little brother who left home and you know said, "Forget you guys, I'm yeah. not coming back," right. you know, kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> and man. so, I mean, we still love them. I mean, we re we rely on them for our rides. Yeah, um, to and from combat zones. So they're your Uber, uh, exactly. <laughs> combat Uber. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I on my way to and from Desert Storm, we rode in the belly of a C five shuttle service. Where, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Where we sat <laughs> in a bunch of like, you know, the jump seats and stuff. That I'm sure everybody's seen them in the, you know, in the movies and stuff like that. Where you know you see people sitting in jump seats and stuff during that you know and so we were in those with our launchers and our missiles basically in the belly so you know it was it was it was kind of nerve-wracking and kind of exciting all at the same time i'm sure yeah wow it's crazy to have stories like that because uh, you just don't think about that i mean i don't think about that and i don't think our kids think about that you know it's uh no, no. it's just the it's a different it's a totally different reality it is. Yeah. It is. And I, I, you know, it's on periodic occasions, you know, most of the time I don't sit back and think about my time in the military, but I was, you know, when I got your text this morning about going to the bakery as I'm like, <laughs> you know, dipping a piece of hot dog into some hummus. It took you back. I'm thinking, it completely, you know, transported me back. Wow. And I was just thinking about that. And I was just thinking, I'm like, huh, I wonder how many you know, especially in our profession, you know, I, I have met veterans that mm -hmm. were also architects, mm -hmm. but 
it's it's so few and far between and and i've in my career i've only worked with one other person who's you know was in the military mm-hmm. and you know that is an architect and and it's just it we seem to be unicorns in a way but you know one of, one of these days i kind of hope to start meeting more and also try to encourage more veterans to come into the profession because you know there is something kind of interesting about the work ethic that came out of the army for me or you know whatever other branch that you know for anybody else that just kind of seems like it weirdly translates to architecture hmm. is as as much as we don't we don't see the correlation between the work ethic and the ethos between the two mm-hmm. you'd be surprised you'd be so surprised at like where my and, and maybe this is a downfall of mine but where my don't quit get the job done no matter what it takes kind of mentality mm-hmm. from the army is exactly the same way that i approach it in architecture and so if there's times where you know and you and i talked about a, a few weeks ago where i had to pull like a, an all-nighter mm-hmm. to me in my mind it was just like so i mean got to get the job done just no, shut up, head down, work, get it done. What other option do you have? Mm-hmm. And and yes, yeah, sure, there is the hey, uh, Mrs. and Mr. Owner, I we're we're just not going to meet this deadline. Is there any way that we can extend this deadline or whatever? I mean, sure, there's those those conversations, but it never seems to dawn on me that that's the option. Right? You know, that that's a viable option. You yeah, you you go into your what you know best first, right? Yes, exactly. And that is to to finish, exhaust all options. Yeah. You know, kind of. I It's interesting because when you think about like the work ethic side of things, I think that that's where we see a lot of the pushback in today's practice is that 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 even happens at all. Like like you're you're getting paid a salary or you're getting paid hourly for the, the time that you're there spending to do the job. And we know how efficient, inefficient time spent on jobs is. Right. It's sure. Just normal work days, it's probably like, you know, half of the work, normal work day is actually productive, if that. Right, Um, exactly. And that's just kind of built in as far as expectations and stuff go, depending on the type of job that you have. I'm sure that people rolling their eyes about that. But I mean, in in typical office culture, I would say that that's pretty true. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of walking around and talking going on, right? And it's not to say that that isn't informing decisions and it's not part of the the bigger whole. It absolutely is. but you can't directly attribute it to productivity necessarily, right? So, right, right, um, right. But you know, there's a huge pushback against the the all nighter mentality or the the you know, and I you say it in a better way, which is work ethic. And I, I we those two things are not necessarily don't go together, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I would say like a really good work ethic would make it so that all nighters never happen, right? Because oh, of, absolutely because of um, everybody's kind of willingness to work together and agree on what that deadline is and get the things, you know, plan it out and make sure everything happens. But the curveballs come in and something, some little snowball starts and it turns into a giant snowball and some, an emergency happens in somebody's life and it pulls them away. And like, all you know, what I'm talking about is just life situations, right? They always happen. It's a guarantee, right? They always say, Take whatever time you say you're going to attribute to this task and double it, right? Um, right? Right. Because that's what it actually takes. What you think it takes is not what it takes. What you think it takes times two is what it actually takes, right? 
um, exactly. or, or times three, <laughs> depending <laughs> on the person, right? So, but it, there's a lot of pushback, like, and I think it comes from a bigger, not 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 experience. I think it comes from inexperience in that, which is to say that people don't know what it takes when they're fresh to get things done and how much coordination that takes and how many curveballs there are. But they also understand that the world won't end if that deadline isn't hit. <laughs> right? Right. And right. that, like you said, you don't immediately say, okay, we're not going to hit this deadline. Let's just go ask for more time. There's probably actually no harm there. Because if you if you communicate with the expectation holder, it's very likely that they will be gr- graceful towards you, <laughs> right? And so yeah, give you yeah, some grace. Yeah. Um, but but your first instinct is to like no like let's hunker down because you have this army inspired work ethic that and that's more, probably more a Cormac inspired work ethic than an army inspired work ethic. It's just you you, you can draw uh, you can draw a parallel there. So I, I just think though that we we do see it's obvious there's a huge pushback in that because it isn't the end of the world and I and architect the architectural world has never ended because of a deadline was missed uh, and. And and we're not talking like missed it by a year, you know, you missed it by a day or something and it it wasn't a big deal. Right. 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 Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's uh it's definitely something that it's interesting to think about when you when you actually step back and you say, Well, I, like, no, this is the profession we've always had and there's people actively saying, Why are we doing it like this? And you're not allowed to say because we've always done it like this. Right. I need and a I, real and answer. I, yeah, and I and I think that's where where you were going, and what I was thinking is like, you know, why are we so reluctant to just put the brakes on? I mean, we always seem to approach it with, uh, oh my gosh, if I don't meet this deadline, they're going to fire me, and it's a you know, fight or flight mentality, else. right? Like, totally, it, it is lizard brain type stuff. Like, our survival depends on us hitting this deadline, right? And right. we're going to die if we don't. Exactly. So, you know, and so, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that in my case, when I'm, you know, sooner saying, well, you know, it just needs, I said that I was going to be done by Friday, so I'm going to get it I'm done a man by of Friday. my word. Yep. Your reputation. You know, it's, it's, yep. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's more just, you know, Hey, you know, I, I mean, and do I hit it all the time? No. But, you know, do I try to? Sure. Yeah, you want a you know, really good I mean, batting average there, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that, you know, that may be you know, the approach with, with many of us. And and again, it's also that, you know, that, that fight or flight, feast and famine, you know, what other options can you come up with that, you know, uh, kind of describe this mentality that architects have that if I don't get it done, the world will end, the sky will fall. Mm-hmm. And 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 we've we've <laughs> i guess it's because we've entered into this relationship assuming that it's abusive not asking the question of is it really abusive or right. are we just abusive to ourselves right yeah it's interesting <laughs> so you went back to the office at least once i know that uh that's a transition a lot of people are starting to go through um yeah but, but i'm wondering what that was like for you cuz i that's not Unlike what you're doing, I, I there will there is no office for me to go to. So, right, um, right. I'm interested to hear what that experience has been like going back. Uh, so, I gotta say that first of all, it was weird. 
because one, I didn't go into the Baltimore office. I went into the DC office, mm-hmm. the PIC for the particular project I am on. He's out of the DC office. And, and that one's and it's actually closer. closer to you, right? Yeah, it is totally closer for me. And, and, you know, when there's like practically no real, I mean, the, uh, the parking garage at the building was practically empty. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure it was, it was, it was really weird. It was surreal. I mean, because you go in, there's no activity in the building. It, it just seems so quiet. It's, it's like, where'd they put all the people? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, the, the, the lobby was me and the security guard mm. at, at the front desk. And, and so, you know, you had to like check in and, you know, go through the whole little, you know, check your temperature and, and all of these other things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's kind of weird in itself. So when I was there, you know, a couple of different observations that I was making was, you know, one, I just brought in my laptop. I probably could have used somebody's workstation, but seeing how like everybody sort of like left all of their stuff as is, mm-hmm. it didn't, it felt to me like, you know, I, it felt weird for me to like, you know, say, oh, I'm going to go use this person's workstation because they've got a couple of extra monitors. It was just like, I don't want to sit at somebody else's desk and mess up their stuff and, you know, have respect for that person and their their their, their personal, personal workspace, space, even though yeah. they haven't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though they haven't been there for a year and, you know, a few months. Right. And, you know, and is it anybody's workspace anymore? You know, is it mm-hmm. just, you know, kind of like hoteling at this point? You know, and so I I'd only worked on a single monitor which I have, you know, since, you know, basically, you know, I don't know how it feels like almost a decade now that I've, you know, work with more than just a single monitor that I felt so weirdly unproductive on just one single monitor, you know, kept kind of like, you know, switching back and forth between screens on the single monitor and everything else. And it just, I felt so, I don't know. That's really um, interesting because what you're saying there, I think is that, the especially for the way that you're working is that you are seriously desk bound even though you have a portable I, computer. I am. Yeah. I I very much am. I I don't I don't I mean the drafting table is was, just now on multiple screens instead of one big it, layout. Totally. 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 <laughs> you know, I and I have and I have like a system of like, you know, which monitor is what and so yeah. like if I hear like a, you know, Bing, you know, you know and something where pops to, up through you know exactly email. where to I, look <laughs> i know which way to turn my head or you know if i hear a dong you know i'm like oh i gotta go over to that one you know and it's just like whatever you know sound like you know somebody who's trying to communicate with me via teams or zoom or email or you know whatever right you know i i, I know kind of like where the conversation needs to you know my attention needs to you know lean towards and and then just i like using both Revit and Bluebeam and all these other things on the larger screens. And, you know, I think my monitors, I mean, my laptop, I think might be a 16 inch or 17. I mean, it's, it's a reasonably larger laptop. It's not like the, you know, the small screen laptop. So, cause that would have just been absolutely, that would have been archaic for me to, to try. If to it do. was your single screen. Um, if it was just my single screen. I but, want to just clarify so, something. Cause you said you like, Revit and Bluebeam, but you actually didn't say you liked re- working in Revit and Bluebeam. You said you you liked, liked using you liked it like, how you had it on your screen. <laughs> yes, I like I like using. If I have to use them, I will use them on my larger screen. Just wanted to clarify that. 
<laughs> you know, it's it, it's the closest thing to draw drafting board size screens as I could get. Yeah. Um, I think I've got just two 23 inch monitors and then my laptop screen. So Control, it's, it's command good. center. We call it the command exactly. center. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's so, you know, it's just, it, it felt weird being out of the, the comfort zone of your home, but it also felt in a way sort of good to be like discussing the projects. You know, we were pulling out samples. We were looking at you know, colors, we were holding up stone samples and things like that. And we were talking about like real tangible things that you don't normally do now. I mean, it's been, you know, several weeks since that occurred. And, and we keep, to, I, I was actually supposed to go in yesterday, but just the schedule, you know, nobody's schedule could, could marry up with it. So we decided to kind of like say, okay, let's punt it to another week. Mm -hmm. But, it, it's just kind of, uh, I mean, like, so now it's, it's interesting. It's like, now it's this, we're in an option phase of like, you know, okay, we want to meet in the office because we know that it's going to be good for productivity, at least to kind of like talk for certain types of things, each right? other for certain types of things. And then, and then you're like, you go in there and you've just got to, you know, now it feels like, you know, you have to almost have an agenda. It, it's, it's a, we're going to live it this time is, as much as we can. Exactly. You know, it's like it's going into the office now, at least now, seems like you're going to a meeting that you have to plan. And, you know, it's it's almost like give me two weeks advance notice of this one and I'll make sure that I've got all of my materials ready and you make sure all of yours are. And here's the agenda. And if we stick to it, we can be productive. Whereas when you were talking about the productivity of, you know, being in the office of, you know, kind of like that 50 percent ratio. Mm hmm. Not all of it is is necessarily, you know, lost on just being, you know, billable and, and right. productive. It's it's team building. It's yeah. morale. You know, in, culture. Yeah, it's morale. You know, exactly. The intangibles. It's, it's all of these other things. The intangible tangibles. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. Totally. I, I'm totally. wondering about your um your commute, your commute time. What did you? Is, did it? Was it just like before, like you're listening to podcasts well, or whatever, or because you're not well, working at that time? Because I mean, that's probably the biggest shift to work from home is commute time. It doesn't, there is no commute time. It's you walking maybe a hundred feet, maybe less <laughs> and, Excellent. and, or maybe, maybe not even rolling out of bed, right? Maybe, maybe the call can happen in bed. It doesn't matter. Um, but now you're forced to commute and you're driving, right? You're not Ubering. So you can't be working right. during that time. So now you, you tangibly lost time during the day to do that. And I think if you think about that as just you, that's one thing. If you think about that as your entire office or our yeah. entire profession, it's an inordinate amount of time. And I think that is something that we really need to think about and consider deeply uh, moving forward because like you're saying you're being very specific about the agenda of why you're going to the office and what you're going to do there to limit it because you've found this other time right you unlocked these other right, levels right. that never existed before that and now it's like you can't unsee that the however of that is mm -hmm. the time that i'm using to commute in mm -hmm. is time that i'm actually kind of like just recapturing me stepping away from the computer because now yeah. I find myself 
in front of the computer I totally a hell of a lot more. Yeah, it's like the separation that you go through is a good thing. Giving exactly. giving yourself that that ability to switch modes right, by because using you, that time. Yeah, because if you think about it, when when we were leaving the office, when we were in the office and we were leaving the office and heading home. And, you know, having our kind of like, like my commute was an hour. And so that decompression time. And so then when I got home, I could just be at home. Yeah. Not be at work. Right. Just be at home. Right. And now work and home are the same thing. And so. Are you still in the dining room with your setup? Yeah. yeah I mean, that's <laughs> yes, probably a big reason why, right? I mean, you guys are in a small space and um, yeah. like I have a separate room that I obviously went through a lot of trouble to create this space remodeling. Right. But. I actually, I mean, it's behind a door, right, that I can close and yeah. walk away from. Yeah. And I think that does make a, a difference. So not everybody has the same um, yeah. situation. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the line is completely blurred, mm-hmm. you know, at, at working from home. And if I did have, you know, maybe an office space or something like that, but, you know, you've been here and you know how small the space is and not a real complaint. It's just, you know, as I'm working from home, I don't necessarily have that ability to get away from yeah uh from work and so like you know <laughs> i find myself on occasion you know I'll get up from my desk i'll walk over and you know maybe my daughter's hanging out with the dog or something like that and like almost instantaneously when i go to like pet the dog you know you hear this dun, 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 dun. you're like getting a call uh, yeah. i've even made words to the uh the zoom ringtone yeah i'm sure you zoom have. ringtone it's like <laughs> Oh my God, another meeting. Let's kill me. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's the Zoom jingle. <laughs> it's the Zoom jingle. It's you know, just, you know, like, that's awesome. So, you know. Yeah, that, that, uh, that to me is going to be kind of eye opening as people do start to go back. And I, I totally appreciate what you're saying about using that time to switch modes of like compartments of your life, right? Like you've got a work compartment, yeah, you've yeah. got a home and a family compartment. And the the distance, the physical distance between those two is appreciated for that reason. And at the same time, it just on many in many other people's lives, it totally takes away from their quality of life, right? Um, so yeah, it's just I think we can't escape the reality of that as well. Right. So I, so I saw this like meme like floating around and it's and they were talking about, you know, the the thirds of the day, you know, it's 8 hours for sleep, mm-hmm. 8 hours for work and 8 hours for your own time. Mm-hmm. And throughout this whole thing, they have like so intertwined with each other that it's going to be really hard for a lot of people to kind of untangle those thirds and start to kind of like regain some sense of, of normalcy, you know? And so when I hear of, you know, kids who are graduating high school who want this, you know, want to take a, um, a break and not just like immediately leap into college. And, you know, I have, you know, my own child who's, you know, talking about the gap year and, and, and wanting to do that. I'm okay with that because it's going to take time to kind of like regain normalcy. And in fact, to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure how much of a normalcy, you know, his junior and senior year were. And so, you know, if it takes a year to kind of basically, you know, kind of get your mind right to like what the world amongst people are, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, 
I'm perfectly fine with that, you know, because I, I think that there's going to be a lot of kids who are going into college after, you know, the crazy two years of like the end of their junior year seat and their entire senior year of isolation that are going to be struggling when they hit college. And oh, that was my, you know, for my parents, oldest. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, like my, you know, my oldest, you know, he he's just he just finished his sophomore year of of school and only one semester of his entire um college experience if we want to use it with big massive air quotes around it mm-hmm. was spent in a classroom yeah. so he doesn't have he doesn't even know what a college experience really is yeah and then you know and so to like almost regain that sense of normalcy you know and i'm using you know these students as an example but I, I think it translates into the office where, you know, this, I mean, anytime we see each other like in person for the, you know, the few people who like almost like want to poke at him and say, are you real? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, you know, there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be some weird adjustment time where you've seen them. Like we've got new employees that I've never met face to face that right. I've been working with for now, you know, a couple of you know, at least on this new project that I'm working on for, you know, at least, uh, what, three, three and a half months. Yeah. And so for three and a half months, they're a new employee who've been onboarding to the, the office that, you know, they're just like, you know, normally it would be like, you know, come into the office, meet people, kind of like ease yourself into it, understanding the culture and everything else. And literally they like their, their culture is their, their screen in their own, you know, comfort zone of their home. Yeah. And now they're going to have to get out of that comfort zone and go into an office and make sure that before they walk out the door, they're wearing pants. Um, Double check. Know, <laughs> and, and just make sure that, you know, like it's, it's going to be That's what we weird... need the Amazon cameras for. It's just, it's like a, hey, hey, you're, you're not wearing pants. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right before like, you walk out the door. <laughs> As you, or or as you walk out the door, your you know your ring camera picks it up. It's just and then sends you a message. Mm-hmm. Evan, you are not wearing pants. We're like, using AI technology. It. Yeah, <laughs> just, just to remind ourselves that <laughs> you know, there is some sense of decorum that you have failed to um, right. observe. Right. <laughs> but but it's just you know and so you know so it's going to be interesting to see when people kind of like come out of this. It, it's. You know, I think of, and I don't know if you ever watched uh, Walking Dead, but, you know, episode one, I remember, um, you know, pretty, pretty vividly, I watched it, you know, a couple of times just because I was just like, is this really, this show's like pretty cutting edge at the time. And I was like, so kind of like, you know, caught off guard on like how they were showing this. But, you know, you have um, Rick Grimes, the the main character, who's basically waking up in the hospital to this new world. And he's just like dazed and confused and like, what the hell's going on and all of this other stuff. And it's, it's almost going to be that way for every one of us. I mean, we will sort of feel like the walking dead as we're like coming into this, this kind of like reality of going back to work. Yeah, totally. And, and I still feel like, you know, because of this, there is going to be that shift in the way that we work and the amount that we're actually in the office versus, you know, working from home that, you know, employees are going to, you know, like when we start like right now, I don't know, 
you know, one of the things that you have missed now working, you know, at, at your firm is that there's like now that every like all of these projects that went on hold, you know, so everybody, you know, basically tried to like, you know, either sustain and, you know, pick on, pick up as much projects as they could to basically kind of get them through this, the, this time or, you know, there were layoffs or whatever. And so now all these projects are hitting again. And so everybody's learning that they're critically understaffed. And so now there's, there's just this massive, like everywhere, this massive like search for talent to come either back to the firm or, you know, to pull new talent into the firm. And, but, but everybody's looking. And so it's really hard. I mean, we've been, you know, on a search, you know, for, for kind of like, you know, good project architects and everything else. And, you know, the problem is, is that everybody's out there looking for them. And so are you, you know, are you it's, it's looking for remote people as well, or just people who are reaching? Well, so, so like right now, because we are remote, I mean, like, like, would you hire somebody a, out of state, I guess is a question. Well, and, and, you know, and that's interesting because we haven't, we have people who've, you know, even before COVID, we've had plenty of remote people. You know, we've, we've got people in Austin, Texas. We've got people in, you know, um, Charleston, North Carolina. I mean, we've got all sorts of people all over the place, you know, as well as the three offices that we have. And, and so, you know, we, we do have experience with remote working and, you know, people who are, part of the firm but most of those people were part of the firm in the offices and then they had moved to other locations and we just didn't want to lose those people so we switched them to you know remote employees Mm -hmm. but i don't know if we've actually talked about like hiring remote employees in the way that you're talking about And, and that's that's kind of interesting and you know i might have to you know like reach out to to hr and and kind of ask that question because you know, it, it, you know, it is something that, you know, could potentially be an option for us. It's like, you know, Hey, you know, I know somebody who's in Florida, who's an excellent, you know, project architect who would be perfect for ASG, but they're not going to relocate, you know, but, yeah. but they're not going to relocate to Baltimore. Yeah, you know, right. would we consider ever hiring them kind of thing? You know, well, that's as, the thing is I, I think, so not being at a firm, you know, I think it's a lot easier for me to say this now, but it, it's like, if your firm is not open to that, and you're like, we've talked about this on the show. It's like, yeah, there's A players, B players, and C players. Let's just say that we can lump everybody into one of those letters. And the A players, if they can't, if the, they're the ones who are going to demand to work remotely, yeah, because they're going to be the most sought after. So the, they're the ones who are most heavily competed for their talent and for their, yep. what they bring to the yep. table. So they're going to have the most options. And the most options means you get to work from any location for a specific company, right? Or companies even, right? Um, Right, right, right. And you can't be regionally, you can't just be looking regionally for those people. They like you, there's maybe 1% who are actually going to be regional and fall into that category because many, we've all proven that you don't have to be physically there to do the thing, Right. right? And for the most part, and if you do, like you can plan ahead for it and you can get on a plane or you can drive and get there and be there for that yeah. event. And then you can go back to the way things, the way you prefer them. Exactly. I don't see how exactly. a firm can survive without that mentality. And, and that, and that's where I was kind of going is because, um, you know, with that talent, with that, you know, kind of like everybody's looking now, 
it is definitely a buyer's market. And so they're going to look around and they're going to ask the questions. Yeah. You know, do you offer remote working? Right. And if they say no, you know, we are going to demand that you are. Yeah. It's not good enough. You know, if, if we, you know, no, or we're considering it or, you know, we've been talking about it. You know, if you don't have a plan in place for, you know, options like that, Mm -hmm. that a talent is going to go somewhere else. Absolutely. You know, they're going to say, okay, I'm, that's fine. You know, yep. so you know, they don't necessarily always want to be physically present. And truth be told, sometimes I'm not even mentally present, but whatever. Um, but this I mean, is, this is one of those things there. There was a headline I saw. I did not read the article, but I mean, it's they're calling this like the great resignation. <laughs> and interesting. And, and it's it is interesting. And it's because of what exactly what we're talking about. Right. It's like yeah. we're going to because this is how we've always done it or because somebody in a leadership position deems it like this is the way we need to do it in our company. It's like, well, there's plenty of other companies who don't deem it that way. So I'm going to go there instead. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and we've seen that we've seen that, you know, like not, not just our firm, but other firms have basically, you know, seen where, okay, this has offered me an opportunity to like move closer to family. Right. And or take care of a know, parent or, or or take care of anything. Exactly. There's so many things, yeah, that are actual, real, and, tangible things. Yes, yeah. it's it's that it's that real life experience that's going to make you know that employee's life better for themselves. But then in turn, you know, if they're if they have the opportunity to continue to either work with you or or come on board and work with you, but then work remotely, mm-hmm. it's going to make them better. Yes. You know, because the company they're in a better place. Right. Exactly. So. That's like if, saying if when you when you're housing the homeless and providing them with resources, they make for a better your community is better for that, right? It's like if if you raise the whole boat, right? And you give equity to people who like I need this, you need that. I, they're not the same thing. They're not the exact same benefit, but we both need these things to be better. Everything gets better along with that. Have to think about it at the broader scale like that. And so I totally agree. If, if somebody's life situation is in a better place because of the equitable resource that you're providing to them so that they can enrich their lives or make somebody else's life better in another way, it will make your company culture better too. It will make your projects better too. It will make your outcomes better too. Yep. Yep. All the above. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah, so this great resignation is a reality that companies have to deal with, and it's and it is basically just you know people taking agency over their situation um, mm-hmm. where they didn't necessarily understand that they they had that before. Um, everybody kind of felt like you did everything you could to get hired by a company, and now the tables have kind of flipped, and the companies have to do everything they can to attract you to them. Right. Exactly. It was always a two-way huh. thing. I mean, when you went in for an interview, you were getting interviewed, but you were also interviewing the company, right, to see if it was the right fit. Oh, I don't yeah, know totally. that everybody thinks about it that way, but that's how it should be. I think that people should think about it that way. Now it's even more apparent that that's what's because I'll of the, definitely, the agency. I'll, I'll definitely say, and I, I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me on this, that early in my career, I don't think that that was ever really the case. I Correct. was looking for, yeah. you know, I was looking for a job, yeah, you know, kind of thing. But 
the the more and more I've you know developed as an architect, the more and more that I you know see the profession and experience it from the view of other people and stuff. That has totally been my experience. Is that you know if I were to move to you know a different job, I mean the reason why I came to ASG was because of the culture, you know the the design ethos, the the work ethics, you know just everything about it, you know said that it was a much better place to work than from you know where I am, you know where I was and. And so I was more conscious about that decision that I needed to make and that, you know, having the opportunity to talk to other people and, you know, the first red flag and I, I'm, I always tell this to everybody who you know, is like, okay, I'm going to be moving and I'm going to go and look for another job and stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, bummer that we're going to lose you. However, if you do that, please do these few things. Yes, they're interviewing you, but you interview them. Mm-hmm. Ask them to talk to who would be your peers. Ask them to have some time to like understand, you know, this place, you know, get the vibe that you want to get from that place now. And if they're immediately going to say, you know, no, we don't want you to talk to any of our employees, then that's a red flag of like, they're trying to hide, you know, the culture, you know, like how bad the work culture is there and that all they really are, all you really are to them is a warm body to fill a seat and, you know, click a button. And, and so I, you know, I, I've been kind of like offering up that, you know, advice to everybody, you know, when they're leaving or looking or, or whatever else. And, and I always, and I, I thought to myself that it took me a long time to think about that in, you know, when I was coming up, because no one really gave you advice of like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm quitting this place and I'm going to go look, you know, somewhere else. And it's just like, okay, well you should look for this and this and this, you know, they're like, well, screw you, you're leaving me, you know, high and dry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and it really is. It's just it. Like I said, it's it's this. It's now a market of. It's like it. You know the 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 person who's looking for a job should really. There are those cases that yes, you just need a job because you know you need money. You've been unemployed or whatever, and you just need that. Understandable, but you know, do yourself a favor if if you have the opportunity to find the place that is the right fit for you. Try to do that, and try to like look into, you know, the culture because I mean really. If, if we go back to that eight hours of sleeping, eight hours of our own, and then eight hours, you know, working, well, then that eight hours is, you know, that one third of your day precious. is influenced by other people. Yeah. And it is very precious. Yeah, I think it, it's further complicated now because I think the model that you and I experienced was still based on where you're located. So yeah. a lot of times, you know, depending on if you're in an urban area, maybe there's 10 different firms or 20 or 30 that you could potentially look at. If you're in a suburban area or a rural area, that number gets real small real fast, right? Um, or you're going to be commuting a long distance. So um, some people were locked to only a couple of choices because that's all there was because you had to be there, Right. Now that's not the case at all. And not only is that not the case, but the work landscape has changed significantly to where you can fill in gaps of time in your unemployment with gig economy type stuff or internet enabled stuff that, you know, gig economy falls into that category, right? Where there's all these platforms out there where you can get piecemeal work and make a living doing that. You could drive for Uber and Lyft. You could... Um, work on Fiverr and do graphic design for somebody. You can put an ad on Craigslist to draw plans for local remodels. You could 
there's so many things that you could do to fill mm-hmm. uh, gaps um, that never existed before. And so there's not this kind of sense of, well, we're the only game in town, take it or leave it, like, and you'll like it when you come here. It's not like that anymore mm-hmm. at all. Right. And right. I think that's another kind of shift that companies have to understand that they're competing against is is the the agency of the individual um, is much different than it ever was before. And, and it's, it's a very real thing. And so I, companies, and I, I mean, the company that I was with for a long time, I mean, is pretty aware of that, right? And they're trying to figure yeah. out ways, like, if you want people to come to the office, you have to figure out ways to attract them to your office. You have to give them a reason to be there. You have to give them resources that they don't have otherwise. You have to do proactive things to create a company culture that you're proud of and that people want to brag about so that they can brag about it to other people because we all know that like personal recommendations or the you know the referral network is where most people come from right so that's how that's how you get the people to come work for your company who are a good fit because they align with those that way of thinking you know the things that you're putting out there so it can't just be lip service you actually have to live it um, these are very, it's very complicated to run a company. I mean, I don't envy anybody who's <laughs> trying to do that and attract the talent to get the work done. I mean, it's, it's an interesting, uh, paradigm shift that we've gone through in the, in the last <laughs> decade. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a big, big, big thing. Anyway. Huh? Wow. Well, we took a couple we'll of weeks how- off and I, I feel like, uh, we're catching back up right now. So. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, whereas hopefully yours was a little bit of relaxing because I know that you did a little bit of traveling. Mm-hmm. even got a chance to see you. Yeah, maybe um, next episode we could talk about that. Yeah. But then, um, and then me, of course, worked myself to death. <laughs> but yeah. And you I mean, hiked it was, yourself it was, to death. So I should talk about and that too. myself to death. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It. For the for, for the next uh, for the next episode. Next episode. All right. See you then. All right, man. See you.